Today's podcast is sponsored by System Professional, whose new In Essence range is all about making your approach to hair more natural and stripped back. With a whole variety of paraben, silicon and sulfate-free products, this new range doesn't compromise on performance and delivers instant softness, volume and sleekness. In short, it's a fast track to better hair days. To find out more and to shop the range, visit lookfantastic.co.uk. Welcome to the Sherlock's Highlights podcast with me, Charlotte Collins. This week, I'm joined by Hattie Cotmore, Tamara Corrin, and Heather Steele. Hi, everyone. Morning. How was everybody's weekend? Good. Uh, I was at a wedding on Saturday. Had a very nice time. How was it? It was great. It was like the hottest day of the year so far. So it was really beautiful. It was somewhere called Wadhurst Castle in Sussex, kind of the Kent Sussex border. And yeah, it was just really beautiful grounds. Their ceremony was in a walled garden and... Yeah, it was just really, really lovely. And you ended up in a Ganny dress? I did, yes. I had to panic by a dress, so I finally ended up getting what I actually wanted that was way more expensive than That's I'd a good panic. Ever. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah ever well, no, spent ever. Sometimes with a panic, you do end up just throwing some money at the same Yeah, yeah that's exactly what mm. I ended up doing. But I really liked it, and also I can wear it for my sister's uh, babies getting christened in a few weeks. So I'm just kind of splitting the cost two ways. That's so. a price for yeah. yeah, and I'm going to wear it on the show tomorrow, and I'll probably wear it every day for the next next year just to kind of bring it down a bit but it's sort of cream with lots of red flowers on long sleeved and long so it covered me completely mm. but it was really thin so I wasn't hot and sweaty. actually when you described it to me last week Heather was like yeah so it's white and it's really long, long. I was like, really? and then I was like but 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 no <laughs> so it didn't look like a white dress no not at all I checked with a few people even though I didn't have anything else anyway so no, it's yeah, late to check it. such a thing but no it was really fun didn't get too drunk until the end which is always a good thing at a wedding I think because it was so hot and they just had a free bar it could have gone very wrong Hattie how was your weekend? Well mine was very unglam and I missed the weather because I was ill so I literally didn't leave my house all weekend I just had some kind of virus That's rubbish Actually there's nothing worse than being ill when it's really hot I know I had such FOMO Everyone was going out and I just had to stay in bed. Shame. But I feel like we've been really lucky and that all the hot weather has fallen on weekends yes. so far. Like, wow. Yeah, yeah we had a good holiday. back holiday as yeah. well, didn't we? Yeah. Well, it's not tent. Charlotte, what, yeah. did, what did you get up to? <laughs> God, I, podcast listeners are just, they're, they're either loving the wedding chat or I'm sorry, you probably hate me at this point. It's so boring. But, I'm enjoying it. So because we were getting married abroad, there was a requirement to get married in the UK as well. So we had our legal civil ceremony this weekend, which was lovely. We wanted to mark it and celebrate it, but, but not doing anything too over the top so we had just 18 just close family and a few friends and yeah had our had a little ceremony at Marylebone Town Hall I mean it literally lasted like six minutes they were like okay do you want any readings no do you want your own vows no do you want any music no (laughs) 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 but it was still lovely what did you do afterwards we had lunch at Claridge's right lovely yeah it it really felt like a special occasion to kind of kick off all the the rest of the celebrations so yeah Yeah. it's lovely we're allowed to ask what you wore you are I wore a white suit which I thought was okay that's cool I like that I know it wasn't original Everybody I know who has had a civil wedding in the last six months has worn a white suit. So but that's also because there's loads of suiting around. There's a lot of white suiting. And you won't be wearing a suit for your yeah, big, yeah. the big day. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's nice to have that, like, something completely different. Yeah, exactly. Be, you know, your dress. Exactly. And so I found one in Reese in the end. Nice. I mean, obviously, Reese do great tailoring. Yeah. And, mm. uh, yeah, it was a particularly good one. And 
I had some some special navy heels Lovely. as well thrown into the mix too. Yeah. So nice. yeah, I was really pleased actually. And a bouquet from Scarlet and Violet, who are a florist in Kensal Rise, who are oh, yeah. amazing. You I told me about, about them before. before. No, no, I'm I'm pleased for <laughs> you. Yeah, no, they are great. they are lovely. So yeah, and you feel good now today, the day after. I had a good gym session this morning. Yeah. It was quite a heavy weekend, but I've got a proper wedding next week. Yeah, so yeah. I can <laughs> get back calm on the wagon down. quickly. Yeah, calm yeah. down. Also, today is a really big day. As podcast listeners might know, we record on a Monday, even though it goes out on Thursday. Does everyone know what happens tonight? I do. Are you talking about Love Island? I'm talking about Love Island. <laughs> oh my goodness. I was hoping that wasn't good. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say. Patty, excited? I am. So I've watched two series now, and the first series I watched, I was so hooked, like, so obsessed. I really tried not to cave and watch it because it felt like such a guilty pleasure. But now I feel like everyone gets on board and it's great office chat. It is. You know? I'm the same. I was so on my high horse about the first few yeah. seasons and then three and four hit. And then yes. Do you know what? I, the okay. first time I actually watched it was last year because I thought there is so much hype about this. I want to know what's going yeah. on. Okay? And I rarely sit down and watch TV and I could see how it's addictive. I could, absolutely. But I was... So disappointed watching it and seeing girls that look like Barbie dolls and boys that look like Ken. And I thought the girls and boys that are watching this series and thinking this is normal, these figures. As an older lady, I sat there thinking, but they have worked out, they have died, they've killed themselves. And I thought, it's so unrealistic. And it kind of upset me because I thought, I'm sitting there feeling really rubbish about myself. Can you imagine a 15-year-old girl mm-hmm. sitting there watching this? And I just thought, do they have to be in their bikinis all day long? I do agree with that. You yeah. know, they're always undressed. And I just think, you know, make it more about their personalities. Look, it's going to be the same. I, I mean, I've seen pictures. Mm. I've seen the kind of the lineup. It's the same. It works. It's a formula that works. Everyone loves it. So I, I do get it. And it is addictive. It's also really easy watching. Are those off-putting elements enough to stop you from watching it? No, because I just think I'm confident in myself. I've realised that this is not to the norm. <laughs> you have to watch it knowing it's not real. Correct. But I think yeah. as someone that's older, I can, can, I can kind of yeah. step back. But okay. someone that's younger, I just think... This is crazy. Mm. This is mad. Heather, are you a fan? I am, yes. Uh, it's not usually something I no, watch. I, I can't yeah. imagine <laughs> Heather as, yeah. I think it is, like we were saying, it's just mindless. And after, like, yeah, day at work, commuting, etc., yeah. etc. If it was only on once a week, I probably wouldn't bother, but just because it's on all the time. And I loved last summer, like, the office chat was great. Every morning, mm-hmm. everybody, apart from, like, Pascal, I think. <laughs> everyone was, like, so excited. And there was always something to talk about. And I was actually, like, looking forward to, like, coming in to be like, oh my god what happened last night so yeah I thought it brought everyone together I do agree with what you're saying mm. tomorrow at 100% and they said they were going to diversify the lineup this year and haven't at all on first sort of plans. yeah that's true so they may have people that come in that are different shapes and sizes but I doubt it ITV had said that this year they were going to make a push to, to be a bit more diverse but in their ethnicities and their body shapes but then if you do look at the lineup, it's not that diverse I read but, an interesting piece Harriet Minter wrote it and she was saying she's like as someone who's plus size my Myself, I watch the show and enjoy it, but I don't actually want these plus-size girls, for example, to go on because the abuse they'll end up getting That's also true, will be yeah. awful. Yeah. And she's like, actually, I think it's probably a good thing that they're not putting these people up for to be scrutinised. Mm-hmm. And she was referencing Alexandra last year, who was like the big girl. And I mean, she was not at all. She not just had all. like big she's natural curvy. boobs yeah. and some hips and that was it. And no one was really interested in her on the island. So they were saying, you know, even if somebody like that, who's mm. not large at all, is kind of being rejected on screen for all to see for being not 
classically good looking compared to the others on the island. Yeah, that's so true. So Jess from two years ago, the one that ended up with Dom. She was curvier as well. She she wasn't a stick insect. No. But she was also like one of the most stunning people I've ever seen. So I guess that kind of helps us a bit. Can you imagine how many people enter the show? I mean, isn't it that like double the amount of people apply for Love Island than apply for Oxbridge or something? It's insane. Yeah. I also saw, I read a piece in The Independent this morning that was saying that statistically you're more likely to win an Oscar than find love on Love Island. People who <laughs> actually apply versus who end up getting on the show versus who still stay together. You but, know, but statistically also, more likely to win an Oscar. That's insane. The thing is also, I actually noticed when looking through the list of people this year that they seem to be a bit older than normal. And when I say older, mm. I mean late 20s mm. as opposed to early 20s. But often they've been like, 2021 yeah in which case the chances of you meeting your life partner there are are pretty slim and actually when I think of the couples who are still together like Camilla and Jamie from a few years ago he was 30 when he went on the show or 32 even like she was a bit older yeah and they're still together still together Mm -hmm. and I do think it's yeah beneficial when they have Mm. slightly older people by older I mean I'm 28 people who aren't late teens early 20s Mm. who is that Scottish girl who made it through Laura yeah she was wasn't she 28 or 29 everyone was making out like she's so, she was yeah. like the grandma because all these 20 year old blokes were like oh god no like yeah. oh she's so old but maybe that's sort of part of the diversity yeah. push as well does that count as diversity not really I don't know because no, no. we have to match them up as Probably. well yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think it would be more interesting if they're a bit older have a bit more life experience yeah perhaps Anyway, by the time this airs, we'll be three days in, yeah. so yeah. we'll have a lot to catch up on next week. <laughs> on a slightly uh, different TV note, I've been watching a Chernobyl, which is on Sky Atlantic at the moment, and that's well worth a watch. Everyone's been raving about it. It's really good. It's obviously a terrifying watch, especially mm. the first episode, which actually shows the power plant kind of exploding and the people who were there at the time. And what's so interesting about it is that most people know about the disaster, but I don't think everyone knows that it was massively covered up. So even when the power plant was sort of melting and everything was going wrong and people were dying, they were still sending the workers back in to go oh and try gosh. and turn these pipes off, even though people weren't coming back from that room. The core had basically exploded and that's where all the nuclear stuff was coming out. And these government people and the, the head of the plant were meeting. While this was all going on, having these secret midnight meetings, being like, what should we do about it? And they were like, we don't believe you, nothing's happening, go back in there now. Is the TV show an entirely accurate retelling of what, what actually happened? I think, yeah, based on accounts of people who were involved involved with the trial and um, so they're not just using like the disaster as a springboard for, no, for fiction no not at all it is a dramatization how many episodes there's only five okay. five hour long episodes and uh yeah the last one is later this week but it's all the cover-up and you know they even tried to hide it from the world yeah it, it's very very interesting very well done it's interesting because nobody's it's got lots of sort of big name actors in but nobody's doing like russian accents or anything like that they are just talking in their normal sort of northern accent or american accent oh, that's, and that's quite unusual it is unusual but it works because you're not there trying to be like what are they saying mm-hmm. or why have they put on that strange accent or you know why are they trying to do this it just takes it all away so you are focused on exactly what's happening rather than the acting it bothers me actually when people do for example if they were playing Russians and they speak English in a Russian accent yeah. it's like well you wouldn't have been speaking English anyway so you might as well <laughs> speak with your own accent yeah. it's like in that um, the Armando Iannucci film last year Death of Stalin obviously it was said in Russia but they all spoke in their, their British regional accents which actually just again it works quite well mm. because it strips away the focus on anything but 
what they're saying. Yeah. I think I think it's a good thing. Yeah, it works. You're not there like, why is Jessie Buckley talking in a sort of northern accent? You are just yeah. like, okay, cool. Oh, she in she's Sable. In oh, great. She's, um, she plays uh, the wife of one of the workers. As well as Jessie Buckley, it's got Paul Ritter in, who's yeah, the dad from uh, Friday Night Dinner, in <laughs> yeah. a very different role. It's got Stellan Skarsgård in, it's got Emily Watson in. Basically, you kind of recognise everybody because mm. they've been in something at some stage. Cool. So worth a watch? Definitely worth a watch. It's only five episodes long. If you can get past the harrowing first episode it's very very interesting let's talk about summer books now we interviewed um assistant editor of fiction at pan mcmillan jane osborne to share her edit of the top 10 novels to try this summer so from romance to thrillers hers are the ultimate recommendations for the holidays so she recommended things like standard deviation by Catherine heine queenie by candace carty williams anyone who listens to the high low will know that yeah Yeah. she did an author special with them which was great crazy rich asians by kevin kwan great a lot of fun good beach read if you haven't read it and how to fail by elizabeth day which uh, we talked about the corresponding podcast last week i highly recommend uh so i want to know what are you guys going to be reading for summer hattie well at the moment i am reading everything i never told you by celeste ing which i am seriously loving i read little fires everywhere by her last year and i read that on holiday actually and lapped it up in about two days she's quite an interesting author because it's not a tough read but she tackles quite interesting topics so a lot of what she discusses is sort of familial differences and fitting in in society and this book follows a family who are American Chinese so the dad's background is Chinese and then the mum is white so it sort of follows how their children struggle to fit in in society and at school like it's repeated several times about how they're the only non-white kids in school and it's so interesting and yeah just a really really good read I'm really enjoying that at the moment I feel like I have banged on about that book quite a bit I talked about it on the show last week but it is it is so good isn't it I agree with you about her as an author that it's it's like a good story yeah and it's well written, but without being, you know, like a tome that you've got to drag, mm. wade through. So, yeah. and that is like the holy grail for me as far as, <laughs> yeah, as, far me as too, Heather, what about you? What are you going to be reading this summer? Or actually, have you got any books that you have read on holiday and you think, actually, those are great beach reads? This one is a bit dark, but it's a very good book. It came out last year. It's called My Year of Rest and Relaxation by Atessa Moshberg. And it's a book about a woman, an unnamed author, who, for whatever reason, uh, well, many reasons, but I won't go into to ruin it, decides that she wants to take a year off from absolutely everything. Uh, she lives in an apartment that was bought with her inheritance because both her parents died. So she's like, all my bills are paid, everything's paid, I'm just going to basically stay in for an entire year and dose myself on every sort of over-the-counter American drug I can get my hands on. So I basically sleep for a year and basically don't know what the hell's going on. It's not a true story, but she just wanted to completely lose herself. But it's just a very interesting insight into how you can get hold of medication in America quite easily, especially if you go to sort of a therapist and say you're feeling x y and z they'll Mm. give you kind of a year's worth of super super strong stuff and she's basically just getting one mate to come in to kind of deliver pizza twice a week that you'd kind of eat a bit just for sustenance and then go back to sleep is it like her emotions what do you because you know what's the point yeah exactly you're getting a her narrative every time she wakes up about 
about right. what she's been dreaming about, what she discovers she's been doing in these kind of manic episodes where she's been on drugs and can't remember what's happened. And um, she doesn't leave her apartment. She, does, she does once or twice, but doesn't remember doing so because she's like woken up surrounded by crisps and coffee from a shop downstairs. Right. But it's just really interesting because it's a lot about what's going on in her mind and why she wants to shut herself away. And it takes place just before 9-11 as well. So there's lots of sort of political things going on in the background that you hear about as well. But it sounds very dreary. Is it as heavy as it sounds? No, it's just hard to kind of describe it without giving anything away. I found it really fascinating. I read it in about two days. It's very, very well written. It sounds very different. Yes, it is. It won loads of awards when it came out in America last year. It's very good, very odd. But remind us the name. It's called My Year of Rest and Relaxation. One I do want to read this year, it's called Convenience Store Woman by Sayaka Murata. Uh, So she's a Japanese author. She's written this book and it's been translated into English this year. I've seen it popping around in the chart. I've not read it yet, but it's essentially about a woman who's worked in this same convenience store for 18 years and she's happy doing that but everyone around her is like you need to get married you need to get a boyfriend you need to do something else you need to have kids that's all it says on the book jacket to be honest so I can't really <laughs> say anything more than that but I but it's supposed to be good. yeah and I went to Japan earlier this year and their convenience stores are pretty special so I'm quite interested to sort of relive that and a girl I went on the trip with was reading it at the time and said it was excellent so on that recommendation I'm going to give it a read but cool. can't tell you much more than that tomorrow are you a reader I can imagine with five kids it's uh, um, hard to find time yeah I would love to say I am but I'm not really <laughs> there's loads of books I think oh I'd love to read this but really trying to find the time even just a beach holiday unless I'm alone on a beach which has not happened for the last <laughs> 10 years then I just don't have the time to pick up a book unfortunately I'm with you I'm with yeah. you um so when you guys are looking for something to read on holiday what do you go for do you pick up something heavy that you know you're not otherwise going to have the time to read like you know something you've been mm-hmm. waiting for or do you go with the total kind of switch off mindless chick lit I sort of have an ongoing list. I'm the kind of person that has about five books on my bedside table at a time. Me too. I'm constantly buying books. They sit there unread for ages. So when I go on holiday, that's definitely when I read the most. I can read a book in two days if I really want to. So I kind of just wait until I'm going on holiday and then go with what I feel. I don't like reading anything too heavy. I like a thriller. I read The Girlfriend by Michelle Francis. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. Last year, that's a psychological thriller about a woman whose son gets a new girlfriend. It's sort of about her relationship with her son and then she's very excited to meet her son's new girlfriend and a lot sort of unravels as to where this girlfriend has come from and why does she want to be involved in their life and that kind of thing. Mm. But there's a part of the book where they are staying in France and I don't know what it is, but when you're sat by a pool and you're reading about something that's happening abroad, I don't know, I like that sense of sort of as if you're living it. Okay, mm. so it isn't like you so relate like, to what's Yeah, okay. like my mum likes to pick books for her holidays set in the place that she's going. Well, my mum does that as well. Which I think is really yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah I like nice that. I really yeah. like that. Yeah. Also, sometimes you learn a lot of the history yeah. of yeah. where you are, or totally. you go to, perhaps you kind of go to the same places and you think, oh, that's in my place. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Well, there, are, there are certain books that are just so evocative yeah. of a place, and so, yeah, to be yeah. able to read those when you're actually yeah. in those places is amazing. amazing. Heather? I can't imagine you're a chick kind of girl. I do like Bridget Jones' Diary. I do think that's a very good book. Um, I don't know. What I tend to do is, yeah, kind of pick one from my book pile, but then I'm always a sucker for the Waterstones or W.H. Smith at the airport 
airport as well. So I then end up buying something that's, you know, on the bestseller list that I've been like, oh, yeah. I've heard that's interesting. So then I end up with two. And there's, I don't really read either of Well, there's nothing so. worse than ending up without a book on holiday yeah. or when you run out. And so it's... I it's always... I do always take a book or two, but it's never... Wishful thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I just kind of smell the fresh pages. <laughs> I do associate the smell of a new book with a holiday. Yes. Do you? Yeah. And actually, right. I used, oh, I did do Kindle for a few years, but I'm... I'm it's not the same. No, 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 I'm really same. over it. The yeah. only benefit is that you can then buy a new book when wherever you are yeah, in the world point, and that yeah. was really good and actually on during my Christmas holidays this year I, ra- I ran out and that was it was Ooh. a bit rubbish uh, well I actually often use holiday as an opportunity to read like some of the heavier novels so I've read a lot of Donna Tartt's books on holiday oh, so I read sense. The Secret History and The Goldfinch um, both on holiday and oh god yeah The Book Thief I've read I remember The Book Thief like lying on a lilo sobbing my eyes oh, out like, it's, yeah. it's so weird sometimes you want to be careful it doesn't bring down like I'll, I'll kind of be around the pool and then I feel really heavy and sad and I'm like mm. why do I feel like this and then yeah. I realise it's the book and not real life um, so yeah you do you are having a nice holiday yeah afterwards. exactly but yeah I think if you only get a chance to read on holiday then you've got to make the most of that time haven't you the thing is if I'm in a good book I'm, I don't want to do yeah, anything else and I don't really go on sort of beach or pool holidays mm. so yeah I think that's where I usually have them for the travelling section that's true, that's otherwise true. if I was really into a good book I'd just be like I'm staying in this room today <laughs> yeah. you can go and see whatever's know. going on and I'm going to finish this book I used to do that with Harry Potter when I was, I was a teenager to say I was just sit in the shade for three days straight until yeah. it's finished We'd go on camping holidays and I'd be like, I'm staying in the car. I just really wanted to finish whichever Harry Potter book had come out that year and I missed whatever things my parents and sister were doing. I'd be like, I'm reading this book. (laughs) Uh, Well, that's why I really love Audible as well, which I've talked about loads Mm, on the podcast, but I find it really hard to sunbathe. And hold a book because yeah. it's either your it's face annoying. is it's either hard to read or you can't, you're blocking your face. Yeah. So. Or it's too heavy. Um, so you're yeah, like, yeah, exactly. And then you want to get in the right position. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then you're on your stomach. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, um, so, yeah, I'm all about Audible for um, certain more comfortable beachside reading. Well, if you are interested in all of Jane Osborne's recommendations, then do have a look at the piece on the site. We have a, a lovely series. This is actually one of my favourites. I get very excited when I see this as a book. Called My Life in Food, where Heather, you interview people in the food industry yes. on their life in food. In food. <laughs> yeah. um, and your most recent was mixologist Missy Flynn. She is the owner of Bodega Rita, which is, well, tell us. Well, it's, yeah, sort of restaurant and bar in uh, King's Cross. So they used to. If anyone used to go to Dalston back in the day, uh, birthdays used to have a pop-up called Rita's and it it was one of the first sort of venues that was actually doing interesting food kind of in a music venue and it was lots of like fried chicken and kind of nice tasty stuff. So yeah, they started doing that and since then have kind of, yeah, opened lots of other places and she's a mixologist as well. So she does lots of other bar menus for other people, kind of puts things together when people launch. But yeah, she's so nice and so interesting, just really open and just kind of said why she loved things and what she loved about which was really great and good. I think she's got some really good suggestions yes she definitely does for her recommendations have a look at the piece on the site but I just wanted to put some of the questions to everybody here because I love hearing people's food recommendations so uh, let's just run through a couple of them what was the first dish you learned to cook tomorrow oh that's a hard question I love to cook do you I, yeah you I cook? love to cook I love to entertain mm-hmm. I mean no, I'm cooking for quite a few yeah I bet you are yeah on a daily basis do you learn to roast a chicken early I feel like that's yeah, the thing roast you're supposed chicken, to yeah yeah, chicken soup, yeah. things that are just things you need to know, mm-hmm. like you should know, mm-hmm. like macaroni cheese, yeah. spaghetti bolognese. I was going to say like bolognese, like really, I think, is... You know, just kind of staples. 
Do you guys cook? How do you into cooking? I do cook. I don't really enjoy cooking. Okay. And my boyfriend, George, is a much better cook than me. Oh. So if we were having people over, I would probably get him to cook. Okay, you do the washing up instead. Yeah. Um, so I'll put a different question to you then. Which, <laughs> um, which restaurant do you revisit most often? Oh, I have a couple, actually. I'm quite bad for going back to restaurants. Well, that's very um, important because restaurants need repeated right? business. True. So I don't think it's necessarily a boring or bad thing. For... Kind of like a simple dinner. If I was meeting a friend, I love pastayo in mm-hmm. Soho. Mm. It's not expensive, but really good food. They just, I mean, everything's pasta, which is my favourite food. Mm. So it's very good. Um, I also really like Bonacera on Northcote Road, which is another Italian. And again, not expensive. It's not a fancy place, but it's just, you know what you're going to get and it's always good. And they're also on Deliveroo, even though it's restaurant food you can get it to your door and I quite like that do you always go for the same dish when you no, go to, back to the restaurant but I've still not worked my way through the whole menu but that's your aim <laughs> pretty much <laughs> I think that's what you're going for yeah. okay cool. great goal wait and if people are going to go there what's the dish of choice oh gosh it's quite boring but I really like their pesto pasta and usually I would never order that when I go out but it's so good mm. It's like there's a big difference between homemade, like fresh yeah, pesto. Yeah, right. And the tin I'm stone. actually, when I go to a restaurant, I always look down the menu and think, what would I not make at home? Exactly. Yeah, true. You know, or be bothered yes. to make at home. That's mm-hmm. how I kind of choose. Yeah. So if pesto pasta, I'd be like, oh, I just make my own pesto Yeah, yeah, pasta. Like I can but, do that. But it does. <laughs> but obviously this, when someone's cooked it for you, yeah. and it does, it does taste And so sometimes much. that's the best thing, actually, seeing the comparison. Because if it's yeah. something that's in isolation you would never cook, yeah. you know, then it's, it is what it is. But yeah, it's how lovely to be able to compare. Okay, Heather, here's one for you. Uh, what's your favourite new restaurant or bar opening? This could be an answer to many of the questions on here, but I love Bao. I think what those guys do is really different and interesting. Everything they make is tasty as anything. Uh, it's basically, you know, they use steamed buns that they make, but they just put the best fillings in and they're really tasty. It's really reasonable. They do really good drinks. Their new one in Borough Market, they've got a sort of highball machine, so it's kind of an automatic cocktail sort of slush puppy maker, but it's with whiskey and other lovely, delicious things. And they've now got a karaoke room downstairs as well. And, and But, you know, some of those restaurants have karaoke rooms, but they look a bit naff and they're mm. kind of hidden away in the basement. Yeah. This actually looks really good. It's got a really good sound system and a light system that kind of comes on depending on what notes you're singing. But they, you can order food and drink down there for 12 people. And I'm not a massive karaoke fan, but I do genuinely think that would be a right laugh. Great for a birthday as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and also the one in Soho, I love, but got it. I mean, you can queue for like an hour. Yeah. There. Do you think that the... Fair, I've never been to that one because okay. of the queues I go or used to go to the one on Windmill Street and Fitzrovia quite a lot because that one's not quite as busy as the Soho one but yeah this newer one in Borough is uh, slightly bigger okay. and uh, they've also got a hatch as well so if you really want to eat something but you don't want to queue you just queue and just Great. grab something and at least in Borough you can have a drink and a snack while exactly you're and they're using loads of ingredients from around the market in all the food as well which I think is quite a nice way oh, to support that. everyone around there really nice I've got a final question that I'm going to put to everybody which is what is your most memorable meal and because I just put you all on the spot I'm going to start with mine because actually mine does spring to mind and it's not actually it should probably be the night that Ben proposed but it's actually a night that Ben didn't propose <laughs> um, which it was in um, in South America last January we spent some time in Mendoza in Buenos Aires which is the wine district at the bottom of the Andes and the lovely thing about going there is obviously you can kind of book things for yourself but actually you can rock up and instead if you're staying at a vineyard then they'll often kind of just send you off to different restaurants and places that they recommend for you so unlike most 
coast trips we had done no research and we were just kind of sent to different places and one night we were sent to a restaurant that was literally at the very bottom of the Andes like down a dirt track and it was the house of two brothers and we were the only people there they just cooked dinner for just us and we were next to this like big babbling brook at the bottom oh, of the wow. Andes and it was sunset oh, wow. and um, there was a big fire pit and yeah and it was just us and they made us all this really amazing traditional Argentinian yeah empanadas and it was just incredible I really thought Ben was proposing I thought the whole thing was <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I thought the whole thing was a ruse and that it was some big romantic thing and that he'd booked the whole thing anyway he wasn't it was just an accident but god it was so incredible and I, I'm afraid I don't have the name of it but anyway, it was it was memorable for, for many many reasons it made me very hungry mm-hmm. it was good um, anyone else I was actually in Tel Aviv once and oh, I went to this restaurant where it had a chef's menu and it was a tasting menu so it was 12 dishes and when you think 12 dishes you think there's no way you're going to get through 12 dishes and each dish was better than the next oh. I mean and we're talking kind of tiny yeah. little, you know but you, you do actually want more even though you know there's more coming it was just the most incredible food like very traditional very Middle Eastern you know it all had like a little smoky flavour to it just the quality of the food was so great like even the tomatoes you know you could just you don't get tomatoes like that tomatoes in taste a shit in England you know, they yeah, really just, let's just yeah. all admit yeah. it they're shit here. you know just like when I talk about it my mouth mm. I mean it was a really great meal and the name of the restaurant oh gosh I don't know I actually think it was pop up oh cool mm. 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 one I can think of because it was relatively recently um, was in San Francisco in the Mission District which is like the Latin area and it was a, a place called La Taqueria which is really rough and ready but everyone again is queuing but it was the nicest Mexican food I have ever had and we just had each of us a kind of big burrito but it was the nicest I can't actually describe how amazing everything tasted it was just absolutely delicious you just can't get Mexican food here in the same way that you oh. can the and it's like six dollars as it's well it's so cheap yeah, and yeah it's it really ridiculously cheap but yeah some of the nicest food I've ever yeah, had yeah we've got a lot to learn because actually you can get really good Mexican in London but it's quite spent you know they've got like potato yeah. yeah. and those kind of places but it's not che- it's, it's not as cheap as it is in the States exactly it's all kind of elevated Mexican stuff so yeah you can go and have a very expensive mm. evening whereas I think yeah the beauty of it was that we just needed something to eat quickly because we're going to go to a museum that was open at night so we need something to grab and go and it just so happens to probably be the nicest thing we ate all holiday. Oh, that's always the way isn't it? <laughs> George and I go to the Lake District every December for a long weekend and for our Christmas present last year we got to do the tasting menu at Long Clue. Oh, I knew you were going to oh say that. God. Amazing. Um, Simon Rogan's restaurant. And I'd never been before. We'd been to Rogan & Co, which is also in Carmel, which got a mission star last year. But Long Clue is just incredible. Long Clue had three stars. I think it's got I think three. So. three. I think I'm it's three, yeah. Jealous. And we did wine pairing as well. Oh. And we got a cheese board. Oh. And it was just the whole... Was it as fabulous series. as it's supposed to be? Yes. And I think because we love that area so much, we go back every year as well. The whole weekend was just, yeah. Oh, dreamy. And his whole thing is foraging, isn't it? So yeah. is there a lot of, uh, you know, local produce? That yes. Yeah. Although my favourite one actually was Cornish cod. Mm. So not local, but... Yeah, that's quite far yeah, from the Lake yeah. District, actually. Yeah. yeah, But delicious. <laughs> oh, yeah. Heather, I feel like you need to write a piece with everybody's recommendations yes. yeah, in the office. Yeah. Um, yeah, the most special place for a meal. Mm. I think that's, I think you'll get some good recommendations out of that. Mm. Sounds good. You jot that down. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, Lisa isn't here this week. Sad times. Love it when she's on the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. But her most recent Beauty Wolves piece on our site was how to get it 
right with false eyelashes. Oh, really? Am I the only one here who's a bit of an addict to the, to the falsies? I do love a lash. I think it just transforms your face. My favourite, probably, if you were going to wear false lashes, is a brand called Battington Lashes. Okay. They're at Space NK. Um, I think they come in six styles. And the best thing about them is there's none of that fiddly glue. They're all self-adhesive. So... I think that for me, putting them on myself, I think it's the glue part mm. because, you, you know, it's just like some stick here and sometimes <laughs> I get the left right but not the right one mm. and then it's all kind of a bit of a crisis. But in terms of lashes, having them actually put on, I absolutely love that. But it is expensive. It's also so time consuming. Mm-hmm. And I usually fall asleep when I have it done and then I think I'm going to wake up. Like, you know when you wake up in shock and you start fluttering your eyes? Yeah. So I'm always worried I'm going to do that. <laughs> but I feel like it's for a special, mm-hmm. for special occasion. And but I do, the, it transforms your face. Are the Battington ones expensive then? They're, I think, around £26, pounds, okay. £28. Pounds, so and you can use occasion. them. Absolutely. But you can use them a few times. Okay, mm-hmm. amazing. And they come in gorgeous, um, like, little pots and that you can keep them nicely. Okay. And they're all, they're all silk lashes as well. Okay, so mm-hmm. they're special. premium product. They are special, yeah. yeah. Hattie? I do love a lash, but like you were saying tomorrow, I'd only get them done if it were for a special occasion. If I'm going out or something, I just like the Isla, the naturals or the texture ones are really nice. Would you, do you, you use them darker. every time you go out? Not every time. I used to, but now just sort of when I fancy a bit more of a pop. Do you find yeah. applying them absolutely fine? I do now, but it's taken mm-hmm. me a while to crack it, mm-hmm. I think. And reading Lisa's piece, actually, she does say, always leave the glue for 30 seconds once you've put it on the um, strip, on the strip mm-hmm. which I never used to do. And I'm sure it does say that on the box, but I obviously never read the instructions yeah, quite for years. <laughs> and yeah. actually, it makes such a big difference. It's so much easier once you do that, mm-hmm. I find. And using with tweezers, not the tweezer end to the other end, I sort of press that down on my lash line oh, as well once I put them down to kind of lock just it into to, place that's a yeah, good tip okay. that really helps you, what you think me. that's better than just using your finger because I just yeah kind of I feel like yeah I'm just poking myself in the mm, eye true. though god I like Cheryl Coles is that <laughs> awful I no, just I think they're so. amazing they are mm. so good and I also on a night out yeah I'm quite partial to it I would never wear yeah. them just like for dinner but the next mountain to climb for me is, is the individual ones because actually whenever we have our makeup done for shoots um, Charlotte Cowan our lovely makeup artist always uses individual mm. lashes and that is when it looks really natural yeah. But it's amazing, and I just natural, like, but so those. tricky. So it's, tricky, yeah, I know. So tricky. And that's a whole like you know you need tweezers and you need time and and patience, of which I don't have much. So uh, yeah, that's my next my next venture. Heather, uh, no, I don't. No, we'll leave it. <laughs> um, okay, well, if you do want uh, tips for getting it right, do have a look at Lisa's piece. She's got everything from the best glue, uh, which is duo glue. She says mm. nail scissors. She recommends and tweezers. Those are all the bits of equipment you need and she also recommends her favourite lashes she likes Isla too specifically the Emma Willis variety maybe a celeb collab is better than people give it credit for but she's also got some slightly higher end pieces as well like Huda Beauty and MAC ones as well so whatever you're going for we've got the full seeds for you speaking of celebrity collaborations it has just been announced that Gian Battista Valley is the latest designer to team up with H&M they do an annual designer collaboration everybody has been eagerly awaiting the announcement for who it's going to be next they've had everybody from Isabel Morant to Alexander Wang and last year Moschino this is a good one what did everybody think of the collection I love it I bet you do (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of tool I love the tool I think this is my favourite collaboration that they've done so far actually 
just obsessed with that pink dress. Yeah, the pink dress is amazing. Um, so for those who haven't seen it, it's quite an unusual pairing because yeah. it's often been a very, a kind of a pretty large ready-to-wear collection. So with Isabel Moran or, you know, any of the other designers that they've teamed up with in the past. But actually, this one has stayed pretty true to Giambattista Valley's signature evening wear, couture look. But yeah, just uh, this kind of capsule selection of incredible dresses, the start of which was obviously the hot pink ballerina style piece that was worn by Kendall Jenner when the collection was announced. If you haven't seen it, do just Google Kendall Jenner. Amphar. Actually, she wore it at the Amphar Gala and got it. It's the most incredible dress, isn't Insane. it? Insane. We actually mentioned it on the show as well and uh, went through some of the pieces. I just love that it's a couture brand mm. and I think that's quite new for them. Mm-hmm. But I think H&M, they always get it right when they do their collaborations. Mm. They've always picked... You know, everyone from Stella McCartney to Erdem to, you know, you've got your Moschino, you've got a bit of everything. But this is really different for them. Yes. And I think it's launching in November, isn't it? Yeah, November Just December. in times for parties. Just in time oh. for party season, exactly. Um, has anyone ever bought anything from one of H&M's collaborations? I have. I've been <laughs> the person queuing. I really? Oh, wait, physically queuing or queuing um, online? No, physic- well, physically queuing. Oh, wow. When they did the Kenzo collaboration oh, I, I loved that. some yeah. of those pieces like the ruffled skirts I got the most amazing kind of double breasted coat wow. I came back with quite a few pieces but I think you were limited I think that's what really you killed me a few. and you could only buy a few but you rush to get everything and then you think oh god what size am I going to be and you know it's it's a bit of a, a bit and there's a lot of hype as well so you then think what have I just gone and bought yeah. <laughs> like you lose I your do, head a bit don't you you yeah. do and I just remember queuing up and you can see people working out yeah. the, where they were going to go yeah. first you know, their kind of yeah, their route they were going to take around the shop. And I just think, okay. But I was one of those people. Yeah. I think they always get it right, H&M. And I think it's an easy and affordable way to buy a bit of designer at a reasonable price. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key point about them teaming up with a mm-hmm. couture brand. Because a lot of designer labels have diffusion lines. So mm-hmm. a lot of the Isabel Moron pieces, for example, were upwards of £200. And if you turn to Isabel Moron at 12 then, you know, you're also talking a not dissimilar price point. So actually, to be able to buy from a couture designer at a tenth of the price yeah, like is, those, is a league above, isn't some it? Some of those dresses look insane. Mm. Like, they could be on any runway, and they're, like, £290. Yeah. Like, if I saw that normally, I'd assume it was at least 1000 Agreed. They're incredible. I do feel you need an occasion to wear one of them. Oh, yeah, I mean, yes. they're not too of the moment. So I actually, I think they will yeah. still sell out because they're yeah. so incredible. Yeah. So people will buy them and put them away for when that occasion arises. You will arises. wear it. You yeah. will do you wear not it. think, though, be- I, my only thing is with the collaborations is you know that people are wearing them, like you can spot them. So, I mean, if I spent even £300 on a dress and someone turns up in the same fabulous gown at a party, mm. I'd be like, oh. Yeah, it's a bit disappointing, you know, yeah. isn't it? Mm. Well, yeah. unfortunately, that is the risk you run with anything. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of very popular brands yeah. with very distinctive dresses mm. um, at the moment. So, yeah, unfortunately, there's not a lot you can do about that, is there? But also, you know, if people like Kendall Jenner are wearing it, I don't think there's a good precedent there, yeah. isn't there? So, yeah, you can't go all that wrong, can you? Let's finish by talking about... Occasion hats. It is event season, isn't it? With everything from um, Ascot to weddings on the cards. So we thought we'd put together a guide with everything you need to know about buying a hat for the summer. Has anyone here ever actually worn a hat for an event? I mean, I have, but that's a bit different because it's just being Jewish that when you go to synagogue, you have to cover your hair if you're married. So I have quite a good... You've got a good hat selection. A nice selection of hats. But again, I wouldn't just put one on although I do appreciate like in the winter like a really cool trilby Mm -hmm. or something like that I think it finishes Mm -hmm. off an outfit Mm -hmm. 
I think hats are also so ladylike. I don't know, it just looks so groomed. If you get it right. Yes. And actually, my great-grandma was a milliner. So I kind of learned the skill of wearing hats and what hats suit what face shapes and things like that. But I think in modern day, would you put on a hat? I don't know. I think if you've got an occasion to go to, fabulous. But I do, I think it just finishes off the look. It's just mm-hmm. something a bit more grown up. Well, and a lot of dress codes dictate Mm -hmm. that one needs a hat, right? So I agree. I'm not sure you would wear one voluntarily. I'm not sure anyone really does wear one voluntarily, do they? But only when necessary. So Tamara, in terms of knowing where to start, do you buy them on the high street? Have you had them made? I've had a lot of my hats made. I've also been fortunate enough to have hats that have been handed down. I also find that designer of Debenhams usually have some great hats. Everything from fascinators, you know, bigger hats. I think throughout the year, not seasonal at all. Well, there's not um, there's not really any on the high street. That's, that's the it's problem. Fascinating. You're there very, really are. You're very mm-hmm. limited with options on the high street. Yeah. But I think unless you want to pay a real premium price, which is you can spend hundreds and yeah. hundreds of pounds on a hat. We spoke to quite a few milliners and some of them don't even have a minimum price point. And I mean that in a good way. It's mm-hmm. not like there's no budget, but you know, as in they start from whatever the yeah. customer is willing to pay, yeah. presumably with reason because there's just nowhere else to go yeah. and actually it doesn't have to be some mega expense because actually by the time you bought an outfit then to buy a hat on top of it is yeah Heather have you ever worn a hat yeah so in my old job we used to go to Royal Ascot every year so I needed to kind of wear a hat for that but I just kind of yeah um just ended up raiding my mum's or both of my grandmother's sort of cupboards uh, for hats really but there is a place in Brighton called Mad Hatter which is a vintage shop full of vintage hats and they've got Ooh. some really nice ones but I suppose the issue with that is that they can't like suit it to you I suppose so you just have to try loads on to see if it's actually going to fit whereas yes. I suppose if you actually went to a milliner it would be made for you and probably look a lot better Correct. But, yeah. do you think there's not a lot on the high street because it's not a popular item to have yeah I think it's only designed to really elevate an outfit and there's only really certain occasions that you wear mm. it for mm-hmm. so therefore there's no mass demand mm. I guess um, for weddings as well if you're required to wear a hat it does very much need to match your dress so yes. again it does need to be kind of made mm. to measure or you know yeah it's it must be very difficult to find a hat that's the exact same shade or kind of goes with what Correct. else you're wearing Fennec of bond street actually do some really yes. great hats as well they do um really lovely designers and you can have a look at john lewis as well they, john they lewis great yeah well the good news is that the trends are changing so where in the past it was all about fascinators and hats these days there's a little bit more wiggle room so Actually, the headband is very much in. We all saw Kate Middleton wore a big headband for Louis Christenings, yes, if I remember. Um, yeah, and there were quite a few at, at all the various royal weddings over the past um, year or so. I can imagine you're into that look. I am. And easier to get on the high street, I think. Definitely. Um, and weddings that I've been to in the past, I mean, we were quite young, but my sister just got something from ASOS and it was sort of like a little diamante headband thing. And that looks really nice. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be super specific for your outfit. Obviously that goes, but if it's sort of in a metallic, you're probably going to wear it again. Definitely. And I think it's actually, of all the events... I could be wrong, but I think it's only Ascot that has very specific, you know, dimension yeah. requirements. So yeah, obviously if you are, you know, going to be in the royal enclosure, then you're going to need a proper hat. But actually, if it's a wedding or something just to yeah. elevate your look, then a headband is great. The other thing that is back, pillbox hats. I do, like a la those, Jackie yeah. O. Yeah, and Megan's worn a few over the last year or so, and I love that look. Yeah. And I reckon that's going to come onto the high street mm. sooner rather than later. I reckon ASOS will be on that soon. Definitely. Yeah. Well, if you do need a hat for occasion season, then have a look at the piece on the site. Do give it a read because uh, we've got some really 
really great advice from a lot of milliners who really know their stuff. I think that's just about it for this week. If you have any feedback or any questions for anybody in the team, please do email podcast at sheerlux.com. We love hearing from you. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends. Bye-bye.